Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Amen. Thank you, kids. Who knows? The child who first teaches a cat to read might come right out of our church. It'd be awesome. Come on. Come on. Friends, it's good to be with you together in, in the house of the Lord. And, um, and uh, thank you, veterans. Thank you, um, excited new members. Excited for you. And I hope you saw the picture of, of, of all the classes of new, new members who've jumped in with us. I get so excited about what's going on in, in your lives, and then I get excited about who God is going to reach through you, and um, it's just fantastic, and it's a joy, it's an encouragement to come and to worship the Lord together and be His body, isn't it? Amen. So friends, open your Bibles to, to Habakkuk, and uh, we're continuing in our series, Kingdom Come, and we're looking today at Habakkuk chapter 2, and I hope you've been learning a little bit more about this rich uh, book of scripture that uh, maybe hasn't been top on your list, but you see all that God's teaching us through this. And as we open our Bibles, as we turn to this, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray as we turn our heads down and, and peer into your word, as we see your script, as we look across these pages, Lord, we do pray that you would lift our heads and our hearts up over all that we see in this world up to see your face and to see you, Lord Jesus. We know you're present and we know that you speak to us through every one of your of pages of your inspired word. So Lord, be with us this morning in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Habakkuk 2, 1 through 4, and then verse 14. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. And verse 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Amen. We're talking about kingdom come. We're talking about vision this morning. And um, the first thing to say is that uh, none of us, uh, least of which me, could possibly have imagined last week as we were, as we were opening up Habakkuk, the first chapter of Habakkuk, and pressing into the scripture that at the very same time a precious community of faith in South Texas was, was in the middle of just abject evil and horror. And, uh, and our hearts are broken and our, our prayers are for them and we feel, uh, we feel for them. As a staff, we've just been hanging on each other and, and loving on one another and praying and going over all the things that we do as a church to, to keep one another safe as we gather and as we worship. And um, 
but all along the way just feeling that, that weight with Habakkuk. How long, Lord? How long? And praying for, for an answer to that question. Because we, we pray how long, we, we, we long for the end of it, and we know there's a kingdom coming, it's on the way. So we remember that even as we pray how long, no matter how long it is, we know in Christ it isn't forever. And it will come to an end. And we know, and, and um, we know, don't we, that the light shines the brightest in the, dark, in the darkness. And, but if you're like me, if, if I can just confess, I am just about fed up with the darkness. Amen? So we pray and we watch and we wait and we know the Lord is coming. But today we turn, we turn to talk about vision. See, God knew for Habakkuk in his time, he knows for us right now that when the entire uh, sky is darkened, when, when the storm darkens the entire sky, we're not going to survive without a vision. We're not going to make it without a vision of the kingdom that we can hold on to, that we can carry, that we can grab a hold of when the waves are, are pushing in against us, when things are getting at their very worst. And so Habakkuk, we find, in the middle of this prophet of tears, we find a vision, a vision for a kingdom come. A vision that will stick no matter how rough it gets. A vision for a kingdom where violence and injustice have no purchase, where we don't, we don't have to, to wander through such a broken and, and a, a twisted world. And we get that vision in verse 14, a beautiful picture. In fact, church, just encourage one another. Let's just say this together. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's a vision. That's a picture. So let's go. Let's talk vision. Let's learn about vision. Try to apply this to our lives. We need vision. So come along with me. Nike, the shoe company, Nike. You've all got them on your feet. They've got a vision for your life, and I bet you know what it is. Nike's got a vision for you. They want you to just, yeah, you got it. See, it's easy. Just buy shoes. Just do it. Just buy the shoes. That's right. Uh, Mars Corporation, they've got a vision for your life. We just experienced it on, on October 31st. They want you to know, Mars Corporation, that Snickers really satisfies. That's right. And we felt it. Amen. We know that. Uh, we know that motto. McDonald's has a vision for your life. They're casting a vision for your life. They want you to know that you deserve a break today. And they've been casting that vision for you for over 30 years. If you want to have some fun, Google, you deserve a break today and watch some McDonald's commercials from the early 1980s. You'll fall out of your chair. They're pretty fun. But we, with all that confidence, we know all these mottos are, are active in our life. All these visions are, are definitely, you know, rooted in us. So now with all that confidence, let's together recite the motto of our great state of Colorado. In the original Latin, please. Are you ready? One, two, three, go. Nobody. Nobody's got it. Nobody in the room. The first two services, there was one in each service that knew it. It's this phrase, nil sine numine. Nil sine numine. It means nothing without divine intent. 
That's the motto of the great city of God. They think that it's a Latin slogan to summarize Psalm 127, verse one, that says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain, unless the Lord watches over the city. Those who watch, who those, the guards stand watch in vain. So they think it was a summary of that. Nothing without divine intent. And that's the motto of the great state of Colorado. Isn't that interesting? And none of us knew it. Nobody in the room. Not back to front, side to side. You see, some slogans, some mottos, they, they stick. But others of them, they just bounce right off. Well, God knows you need a vision in your life. You need something to hold on to, something that will stick, something you can carry, carry with you where it needs to go. We need a vision. We need God's vision. Vision makes the present bearable. Vision makes the present bearable. And vision brings the future into being. We need vision. So what is a vision and why do I need one? Habakkuk 2.2 is often this verse that's sucked out of this, of this its context and used out of context, not with evil intent, but it's just lifted out of what is a really kind of a dark book of warning, the prophet Habakkuk, and it's used in all these leadership seminars and business you know, seminars and things like that just to talk about the importance of casting vision. Habakkuk 2.2, in the ESV it reads this, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. Just the importance of having vision in front of you. So how do, what is a vision? I want to define it this way. I want us to understand vision like this this morning. Vision is a picture of a preferred future that moves you with passion. A picture of a preferred future that moves you, moves your guts. I want to see that happen. It, it compels you to move that direction just to see it. A picture of a preferred future that moves you with passion. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no revelation, where there's no vision, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Or we might lean on the old King James. Some of us may have known this or memorized it. Where there is no vision, what? The people perish. Why? Because without... Without vision, without a picture of a preferred future to, to move you with passion, you might get misdirected. You might get blown off course. You might spend your time headed in directions that are just spinning your wheels, that are not, that you're using all your energies and, and not getting closer to, to the life that God has for you, for the goals, the plan that Jesus has for your life. Or you might just, um, you might get overwhelmed with the challenge. You might get swamped. With the hard things that come, you might think, I'm, I can't get there from here. It's too high. It's too far. You might lose heart. You might succumb to temptation, drop all the guardrails, cast off all the restraint without vision. You might perish. So why in Habakkuk do we find such a positive call for vision? in such a dark and dreary prophet. Why? Because when the darkness is at its darkest, when the darkness is at its darkest and the storm covers the whole sky, that's just when we need to know and to remember how to look up and see the light. God sends a vision to Habakkuk. Remember last week how... uh, 
how Habakkuk was, was honest with God. You know, he just opened up his heart. I, I only said this at one of the services last week. I think it was this one where I said um, that if, if Habakkuk was like an opera in movements, then this was movement one last week. And movement one was really clear. Movement one, Habakkuk says, hey, God, this stinks. Right? And you can relate with that. That's true. He speaks the truth. I'm looking at this. Hey, God, this stinks. Well, today we have movement to Habakkuk seeks a vision. Verse 1, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Movement 2 is this. Habakkuk seeks a vision. So let's walk through how he does that because you and I, we need a vision. We need God's vision in our lives to carry us through. So I want to give you four movements here, four thoughts about how Habakkuk seeks a vision. Number one, how to seek a vision? Seek a vision. See, I don't like to make it too complicated, you know? Number one, seek a vision. Habakkuk, he goes to the Lord. He says, I get up on the ramparts. I, I remove the obstacles. I want to see, Lord. I wanna, he expects from the Lord to hear something from him. He removes obstacles in his life that might be causing him to be confused or distracted, and he listens. He listens to the Lord. Now, why does he do that? Habakkuk does that because he's desperate. He's desperate. He says, Lord, what am I supposed to say to these people? What do you want me to tell these people? You see our complaint. You see what hurts. You see what's wrong. Habakkuk's desperate. And I've got to tell you as your pastor, pastor of this church, it's exactly how I felt earlier this week. It's exactly how I felt. Lord, what do you say? What can we say to one another when something like this happens, when a church, when a church is attacked like this? What can we say? And we seek a vision. Habakkuk climbed up and he said, Lord, you tell me. I'm desperate. You tell me. You give me your vision. I want your plan. I want your vision. Lord, you tell me. I'm here. You tell me, Habakkuk, what you, Lord, want me, Habakkuk, to say to these people to answer their complaint. I need your vision, not mine. I want to say what you want me to say. I want to see what you want me to see so that I can so I can." Tell these people what a God you are. And Habakkuk, he finds that God answers. You see, God has a plan for your life, for your life, every one of us. God has a plan for your life. And you know what else? You want God's plan. God has a vision for your life. There's not a one of us that he's left out. And you know what? You want God's vision for your life. You might think it might be very different from your vision. It might be very different from your plan. It may mean that you've got to deconstruct things that you've been building up and constructing in your life, but you don't want what you've been building. You want what God's going to build in your life. It may mean that you have to turn around, that you've been going down the wrong track for quite some time, and you may be to back up or turn around and get back to where you can turn your life toward what God wants in your life. But listen to me now, no matter what it takes, no matter what it costs, you want God's plan in your life. 
You want his vision guiding you. You want his intent in your life because no matter what you've planned and how good it is, what God has for you is more than you could ask or imagine. You want God's vision, God's plan for your life. Step one, seek a vision. Seek God's will. Thy will, not mine, be done. Seek God's will for your life and commit to submitting yourself to it. Seek a vision. Number two, in verse two we read, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation or the vision and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. And this one verse has got vision steps two and three. And verse uh, step two is write it down. Write it down. Why? Well, why do you write anything down? Because you're going to forget it. You're going to forget it. Write it down. Put it down on something. You don't want to forget what the Lord has shown you. If the Lord shows you something, please write it down. You want to remember it. You say, Lord, I'm going to remember that no matter what it takes. You know why? Because what you've seen on the mountain, you might forget in the valley. But you know what else? What you've learned in the valley you might just forget up on the mountain. If something's important, you say, I'm going to write that down. Write it down. Don't let God teach you something and then you walk right away from it and leave it behind. Write it down. Step three, make it plain. Make it plain. Now in the context, that you could just read that and that could literally mean uh, write it out carefully, write it out well, that could literally be just God saying, Habakkuk, we've talked about your handwriting. If you're going to keep going with the prophet thing, I need you to pay attention. You know, write it down carefully. Make it plain. You know, that could be all that it is. You know, choose a good font. Uh, choose the right color in the poster board. Make it, make it, you know, make it work. You want to write this down well, but I think it means, it means a little bit more than that, doesn't it? Make it plain. Take the vision, write it down, and make it plain. What does that mean? That means take the time and expend the energy that it takes to take that vision and to make it simple, to get it to a place where it's so simple that it can be received and understood, that it can be carried along with you where it needs to go, that it can be remembered easily. Receive the vision, write it down, make it plain because you're going to need to run with this vision. We just finished watching the, uh, the World Series, which was a lot of fun to watch. I, I loved it this year. And thank God Houston won. You know. So if it can't be the Colorado Rockies, you know, it certainly isn't going to be the Los Angeles Dodgers, right? Amen? Amen. That was great to watch them win. And great for this day. Now, um, when you watch those games, it's fun to watch, and you watch a baseball game, there's all kinds of communication going on all across the field, and a lot of it is very, very subtle, right? Just a touch of the nose, you know, a tug of the ear over here, a finger that's going kind of this way or that, you know? Very subtle communication. But when it comes time for the runner to come around from second base and the third base coach wants to send him home, the time for subtle communication is over. And that third base coach that's been doing all these little things all along the way, oh, all of a sudden he's jumping up and down, swinging his arm like it's going to come off, you know, and just get going, get going. Why? Because you need, it needs to be clear because you need to run with this. 
You need to be able to run with this. You don't need to drop it when, when you need it the most. You need to make it plain, make it clear. A vision is a picture of the preferred future that moves you with passion. It's a picture worth sacrificing for. It's something you want to make happen, you want to be a part of, and it's clear. It's got to be clear. When President Kenny got up in 1961 and he said, by the end of this decade, we will have a man on the... That's, I mean, that's clear. That's a picture. A man on a moon is what's a picture of. Very clear. When Martin Luther King Jr. got up and said, I have a dream, he painted a picture of children playing with one another of every race and creed that judged not by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. See, that's a, that's a clear picture. It's a clear vision draws you forward when the founders of our nation they had a vision that a people would emerge on the face of the planet that empowered their own government a, a nation where only the law is king that's a profound vision such that lincoln a hundred years later could say that's a government of the people by the people for the people that's a vision and it's clear it's made plain you can hold on to it you can run with it catch the vision Make it plain. Your life needs a vision too. You need God's vision in your life. Make it plain. His vision makes the present bearable. Vision brings the future into being. Step four. Believe the vision. Faith, you see, is trusting what God has revealed. Believe the vision. Believe in God's promises. Believe in what he has shown you. Believe in him. It says in verse 4 that the righteous shall live by faith. I wonder if that verse sounds familiar to you. That's a verse that gets picked up again and again in the New Testament where we learn that, no, we don't earn our way into God's favor. We don't earn our way to the table of, of God uh, by our good works. No, we're restored to God. We're reconciled to God by faith. We believe. We put our faith in Christ. We put our faith in God's promises. We put our faith in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and all that he's done on our behalf. We put our faith, our trust, our allegiance in God himself. And so we are reconciled to him. We believe. We live by faith. See, here's verse 4 in the NIV. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. What settles out here, what settles out as you read Habakkuk, you see, is there are two distinct ways of life and they stand in stark contrast to one another. There is puffed up self-centered arrogance and there's humble reliance upon God, faith in him. See, we want to live by faith. We want to say, thy will, not my will be done. Not faith in me, faith in thee. And we follow along and we live by faith. We say, Lord, I want your vision for my life. I want your plan for my life. I want your will, not my will to be done. I know, Lord, whatever I've planned, that your plans are so much better and I want to be where you want me to be. I want to live as you want me to live. I want to follow where you want me to follow. I want your vision, not my vision. I live by faith. I live by faith. It's a picture 
that moves me with passion. Vision of the future. Seek it, write it, make it plain, believe in it. We live by faith. Amen. Habakkuk continues on and God shows him, hey, these two paths. You know, here's what the path, the other path looks like. It's just part of Habakkuk, it's called the five woes. As God explains all these different ways that the path of arrogance and selfishness leads to self-destruction. Five woes. I decided not to dwell on the woes with you this morning. You okay with that? I figured you could read the woes on your own. Go woe on your own time. We've got enough woe, don't we? But we will look at the fifth woe next week. We'll lift that up and, and uh, woe boy. Thank you, thank you. But, but right in the middle of that fifth woe, we get a vision. God gives a vision. It's at verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The earth, this, where you and I are living, will be filled with the knowledge of the glory. It won't be half filled. Will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord overflowing like the waters that fill the sea, covering over, filling up the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That's a vision. That's a picture of the future that moves us with passion. Lord, let me be a part of that. Habakkuk sees something coming, and like all the prophets, he, he doesn't just pretend that the world is different than it is, but he sees through the world as it is. He can see that there's something else coming. There's something else on the way. There's a light that's going to come through the darkness. There's, there's something that's coming. The kingdom is coming. The kingdom is coming, and it's going to fill all the earth. And no longer will there be the injustice, the sickness, the illness, the pain. The kingdom is coming. Jeremiah said it this way in Jeremiah 31, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor to say one another, know the Lord, for they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest. I'll be their God, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. For I, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Friends, there is a kingdom come. Past the hard times. There is a light coming past the darkness. And it will come. And though it lingers, wait for it. Though it lingers, watch for it. For it will surely come and will not delay. It's the kingdom, friends, of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. How will the sin and the wickedness be put away? It's Jesus who takes the sin and the wickedness upon himself and sets up a kingdom that you and I get to be a part of. There's a kingdom come and it comes in Jesus. Did Jesus cast vision? He cast vision in almost every single thing that he did. Jesus, he, he healed the sick. Not to say my ministry is going to wipe out all sickness. If his ministry was to wipe out all sickness, then his ministry was a failure. Jesus healed the sick to say, you who are in me, you are headed. You're headed to a kingdom where there is no more sickness. 
Jesus healed the blind not to end all blindness on the face of the planet. He, he healed the blind to say to you and me, you are headed to a kingdom where all will see. Jesus submitted himself to injustice and violence. He let himself be carried off into violence, not to end all injustice and violence in our time, to say to you and I, if you're in me, you belong to a kingdom that is coming. And so we sing songs and, and we, we pray prayers and, and we enact we enact characters of the kingdom that we're a part of because this is our home this is where we belong this is where we're going and though it linger surely it will come heaven will come down to earth and the reign of jesus christ will mean that the things that we have seen on the news the things that we have experienced that have broken our hearts they won't fit and they will never happen Again, there's a kingdom come in Jesus. I want to ask the praise team to come up as we close these thoughts. See, here in Habakkuk, friends, is is practical advice for making it through tough times. Seek the Lord. Seek a vision. Want His plan, His vision active in your life. Write it down. Make it plain. You're going to need to run with it. It's going to be clear. You're going to need to be able to see it running by. Put your faith in the Lord. Believe. Affiliate. Trust. Put the weight of your life in His hands. You know, that's faith. I'm going to put the weight of my life in your hands. Believe that God's promises are true. Trust. Trust in a vision that's bigger than the things you face. There's a kingdom coming that's bigger. It's bigger than sickness. It's bigger than injustice. It's bigger than the wounds that you carry. It's bigger than death itself. It's the everlasting kingdom of Jesus. Though it lingers, wait for it. Trust. It will come. It will not delay. It will come right on time. And until then, we live by faith. Let's pray. Lord, when it's hard for us to see the vision, when it's hard for us to trust that you've got a plan for our lives, that there's goodness in you, when it's hard for us, Lord, to to believe even that you see us where we are. We pray that you would come to us, all the way to us, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, that you would show up in our lives. We, we stand on the ramparts and we wait and we watch. But we trust that your kingdom is coming. We trust and we believe in the kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.